will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. All right, episode seven, Bruce Stanley. I'm Adam Comer. Man, today, Bruce, we are talking about identity and why that's important. I am so excited. This is a topic that needs to be discussed. I love this. I know you love this. Identity. Tell the people why identity is important. Man, I mean, just... (laughs) Right off the bat, you could say, well, what you think of yourself is the way you're going to live your life, right? And so what are you associated with? What do you belong to? How are you accepted? I mean, these things find our purpose and our value. Mm. And man, I mean, everybody is identifying with something. You can't help it. In fact, uh, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God says he put eternity in all of our hearts. Mm. And so there's this desire to be associated, to be accepted, to be to have a sense of belonging to something and how we look at ourselves is going to determine how we live our life. Mm. Yeah, and, and I de- we could almost name the show Identity Crisis, not, not just identity <laughs> because it's an identity crisis. And so what you believe about yourself, right, what you, what you think about yourself ultimately determines how you view the world and view yourself and your decisions you make and... Um, your worth, like you said, the the different um, your purpose in life, and so this is a big issue. What does it mean? Like as we teach, we we really want people to focus on their identity being in Christ. Why is that important? Why does my identity need to be in Christ? Well, I think the first thing you have to address, which is the obvious of where we stand at S two L, different than other programs or. Um, just methodologies in general is that uh, we don't identify ourselves as addicts. Mm. And uh, I know that that's contrary to a worldview and other programs, methodologies, and let's just say a 12 step programs, right? So if I'm always identifying myself and have to introduce myself as an addict or an alcoholic or what have you, uh, then I'm already positioning myself to have to defend like that. And the other thing is that, and in uh, in that in that perspective, I'm always going to be an addict. Mm. And therefore, if I if I if I start talking without introducing myself in a crowd of other addicts or whatever, and I don't introduce myself as one, then I'm already wrong. Like, what do you mean you're not an addict? Because there's no hope in that you will ever be cured from that. Wow. And and so the identity in Christ is. He says that the old is gone, the new has come, and we can talk days on this stuff from a biblical perspective. But yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm always thinking that I'm an addict, and at any minute I can relapse, and then I always have to defend, you know, that meaning I've got to go to meetings, I've got to, uh, I've got to make sure I'm adhering to these types of things and uh, triggers and all this kind of stuff. Then I'm living in fear of the thing that I might go back to. Versus where I'm at. Yeah, but, but and even basic psychology, like right, basic psychology. If you say you are something, then you are something, and you're going to be something. If like, let's take a child. If a child is told by, uh, grew up in an awful home, had awful parents, or had awful just situations, and they're told their whole life that they're ugly and they're no good. Well, when the child is an adult. What's the problem with that child? They think they're ugly and they think they're no good, 
right? Unless some sort of intervention happens, that's what they think they are because that's what they hear they are. And if you're mm-hmm. calling yourself, I'm introducing, I'm an addict, that's my identity. I identify as a, someone who is an addict or an alcoholic, and that is super dangerous, man. Yeah. Super dangerous. Yeah, in fact, I mean, just to your point about the child who grows into adult thinking they're ugly, broken, no good. I mean, these things are considered mental illnesses, mm. right? Yeah. A mental illness. And so you could almost say that if I'm going to identify as an addict all the time, I have a mental illness. Mm. In fact, Bruce, that's what they would say. It is the disease of the brain called addiction. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Mm. Interesting, and that's the model that's being taken. So wait a minute, wait a minute. So I didn't have a mental illness before, and now I have a mental illness. Yes. You are. You have the disease of addiction, and you need to know that. That needs to be your identity, lest you fall back into it and you forget, and you make a decision to fall back into it. Mm. How ridiculous is How that? How does that apply to other diseases? It's a good question. You tell me. So let's just say I'm a cancer victim, which... It's interesting that people say it that way, too, that you're a victim. Uh, because when you look at a biblical world perspective, it's just we live in sin mm. and, and decay. And things like this aren't surprised. They just happen. You know, it's not because God is out to get us. It's just that's the world we live in, you know. Mm. Uh, but let's just say I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a surviving cancer patient, meaning, meaning – uh, and then you can relate this to somebody in addiction who will say, I'm a happily recovering addict. You know, <laughs> Do people walk around and say, I'm a recovered uh, cancer patient? Or do they just say, man, I, I'm, I'm living life and I've been freed from cancer. And, uh, and you know, you will say, well, okay, well, that person knows that the cancer could come back. And so having to go back to check with the doctor and do right. these kind of things, right? Yeah. But, but, but you're still kind of living in fear from that. But my point is that we don't go around identifying ourselves as cancer. Right. Prominence, right? Bruce, I have cancer. <laughs> yeah. Or diabetes. Like if, if God cures someone of diabetes or, or they, someone's cured of diabetes, uh, do they still go around saying they're diabetic? No. Do they, are they cautious on the things they eat and maybe check their blood sugar and stuff like that once in a while just because it's something that they had? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But they don't or, go, hey, or, I'm Adam and I'm diabetes. Yeah, about hep C. Like, hi, I'm Bruce. I've had hep C. Yeah. Like, well, that, <laughs> what, why are you identifying with something like that? Why are you identifying with the disease? Do you want it to have control over you? Yeah. It's so Well, that, that kind of leads to another segment. We're going to talk about another episode where we talk about the stigma. Yeah. Because uh, that could be a whole a whole rant right there. And just, yeah. We're going we're gonna to go off on that model. But identity, the reason that identity in Christ is important is this, the, the world, the biblical worldview, and I say that just with explaining the lens that I look through life is from what the Bible says, okay? Now, the lens that someone, an atheist looks through life is from an atheistic worldview, and so they have different things. Uh, they have different thoughts. But from the biblical worldview, you are a new creation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the, where the sun sets free is free indeed. Um, turn, do these things. God, God can redeem you. God sees you not as sin, not as a drug addict, not as a murderer, not as someone who cheated on their spouse, not as a liar, not as a manipulator. Without Christ, that's why we say your identity is in Christ. Without Christ, you are all of those things. And you are condemned for them. Absolutely. And you're living in them. The beautiful thing about with Christ is just, man, we just, we just celebrated Easter. And 
we learn that on the cross, he became our sin. Not only just took it, he became it and took it and it's paid for. And you're now viewed, your view, fearfully and wonderfully made. You're in the image of God, the Imago Dei. All of these things are so beautiful, but you took his righteousness. Yeah. That's your identity. When your identity in Christ, there's so much hope because now before a holy God, I'm not condemned for the things that I've done, nor am I identified by it because Christ took that from me on the cross. It says he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And if my identity is still as an addict, then I'm saying the cross wasn't sufficient and I'm doomed and there's no hope. Yeah. And, you know, we call it Good Friday, yeah. which is strange to some people that it's, it marks the, the remembrance of Christ on the cross. But the reason it's good is because of what you just said. That's why it's good. And, and I also like that in those statements in the Bible where it talks about this and Jesus becoming our sin, it also says that he despised shame. Mm. And, man, that to me is so remarkable that, man— if if Jesus, who became my sin, despised the shame, knowing that he was the sin, mm. man, what kind of hope is that for me? I mean, that I, not only do I not have to identify with being an addict, but I have no more shame That's of right. the things that I did. That's right. And Well, you have no more shame because you are a new creation. Mm. That's why Jesus talking with Nicodemus says, you have to be born again. Like that's the aspect. The person that is standing for me, you're still Bruce Stanley just like you were 50 years ago, 50 plus years ago when you were born and your name was given on your birth certificate, but you are new. You are spiritually reborn. And the man that sits there before me today is not condemned. He is new. He has the righteousness of Christ covering him and he's seen by God as pure, perfect, spotless, blameless, right? Okay, okay, okay. You're going to have to let me go on a rant here. Go, go. Man, to me, and this is my testimony too, So, which is really important. Uh, in fact, the Bible calls our testimony so important in our identity mm. with Christ that it's what Christ did on the cross and our testimony that defeats the enemy of God, right? Yeah. And so, man, one of the first things that I realized when I... When God changed me on December 12, 2012. And, and, 12, yeah. 12, 12, 12. <laughs> Where I woke up in a ditch, right? I was homeless. I mean, I can go into this whole story. Maybe we will one day. But right now, I just want to say, man, when I got down on my knees and I begged God to f- save me from myself. That's, mm-hmm. Those are the exact words I used. Save me from myself. Uh, and that God showed me that I could be identified in him. And that all of these personas that I had created for myself, man, and there were a lot of them. Like, man, I was a chameleon. I could be this person. I could be that person. And depending on which group or person I was around, man, I could, I could create how to be like, likable, accepted, you know, just the total manipulation and all that. I was juggling glass balls of these different personalities that mm, I had. Yeah, man. And my fear in that was somebody's going to find me out, that I'm going to be called out on that. and I wasn't going to be able to manage it enough and that somebody would find me out. That one of the first things that I felt in this peace that God gave me was that I could put all that stuff down. Mm. And my shame level went from 10 to zero. Wow. It was like, and I didn't do anything, right? Mm. Like, it was just the perspective that God gave me on who I really was. Yeah. And that I didn't have to worry about, you know, creating scenarios or 
trying to be liked or accepted by others and these, these things that I created for myself that I thought were these identities that would be acceptable to other people, I could just put it all down and I could just be who Christ made me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and here's the thing, man. Why is identity so important? Why is this identity a crisis? A crisis, right? And, and, and this is why. This, and, and, and again, we're, we are not trying to offend anyone, but at the same time, we're not on the show. We're not going to be politically correct. We're going to speak truth, and we're going to show compassion. And yeah, we're not ashamed of the gospel. And we're not ashamed. And, and here's what I mean by identity. When your identity is tied to your, and I'll even use their language, when your identity is tied to your disease, there is no hope. There's no hope. Without the God with all power who atoned for your sin, right, in Christ. So when your identity is in Christ, your sins are atoned for. And let's even use their, their system, okay? You confess your sins and you do a moral inventory and you confess all of your sins and you do all this and you share it to the God of your understanding and one other person. Okay, well, if that God is not the God that has atoned for your sins, then all you're doing, Bruce, is you're laying out all of your sins and all of your moral failures and they're just on the table and they're not paid for. They're still yours. Yeah, there's still shame there. You're still that person. So what's the point of that? If your God is that doorknob, that doorknob has no power to take away or to do anything with your junk. And so you are still an addict and there's no hope. But if Christ became my sin on the cross and the wrath of God was poured out, that was the cup, by the way. The cup wasn't the pain of the physical cross and the beating. The cup was the wrath of God that was poured out on him. It's gone. Every ounce of God's wrath is poured out. There is hope that I am a new creation now. That's so much more hope. So if my identity is in a God who created me, who spoke all things into existence and then provided a way for me to be pure and perfect and spotless, that's my identity. Watch out, Jack. Watch yeah. out. Yeah, and let's don't forget that God is a God of restoration. Oh, man, all I throughout mean, the Bible. So it's not like I'm just laying it all out there and my and my hope is that, you know, by exposing these things that I would just be a different person, you know. Yeah. That God would restore my life. In fact, the Bible says that he'll take all those things that were meant for my destruction and turn them into good. Yeah. And the life I'm living today is an example of that. I mean, all those things that I was so shameful of before that, that met my identity, uh, now I'm using it to combat that old identity and help other people. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so the mindset of this identity and why it's so important, and just like I said, I mean, if my identity is in something else, uh, and it's almost, if you look at the steps, and, and, and I'll get off the steps because there's other modules. I mean, you can go to a conference of addiction, a thousand different people tell you a thousand different ways of what, mm-hmm. how I've got the solution to addiction. But radically, the 12 steps, NA and AA are just everywhere. Just about every program, whether they do certain things medically, they're also going to require that you go to these meetings. And so that's why we're kind of on that. But the, the, the modality of them saying it's a God of your own understanding, but the rest of the steps require that God to do something. Like you're confessing to another person, you're confessing to a God. That's for a reason. That's a good principle, man. You should. James talks about it. Confess to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. But there's no power if the, if you're just confessing it because it rolls back to self-help. And what did you say about self-help? 
it's country it kills itself really yeah, it, it implodes let's 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 look at it for example like how did the 12 step program actually start so it was at alcoholics anonymous bill yeah. w like uh with a, a doctor i can't remember his name now but uh they they formulated this whole thing and i think it was back in 1940 something or whatever but and I could be wrong about all that, but I know it's been a while. And, and what it has evolved to is something different than what it was intended to do. And Bill W. was a Christian, right? And the expectation of everything he laid out there would be the God right. that you would make these confessions to. It would be his supernatural power. It would be those things that we seek after in full restoration. So... What it has evolved into to make it palatable to all people has been now whatever it is you've got understanding. Yeah, and, and I would even further that and just argue um, that even inside of his development of that, his theology of who God is is a little off. Yeah. Being restored to sanity um, really kind of puts it back onto me that I need to be restored to my own sanity so I can make good decisions and stuff like that. But you're right. It was God, the God of the universe that he was talking about that had this power. Mm-hmm. And so it's just changed. So that's that's the kind of the time we have on identity, man. It, it, just real quick. And we're going to run a little over because we want to get to our question. Man, the question's coming all the way from Vermont today. Vermont. Um, the But that one thing about the identity and just, a, let's say, a, a secular or atheistic worldview, why this is so important if if you stick to that worldview that I am an atheist, if you stick to it and you live by it, man, your identity, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But you have to borrow from a, a, a biblical worldview. Because here's the thing. If you are an atheist and your worldview is that you were just – you've just evolved from scum, pond scum or stardust or African apes or whatever it is, then there is no morals, meaning – the way I live my life has no effect. You cannot tell anyone how to do anything, and everyone is just to each his own, and that collapses on itself, right? Because yeah. there's no standard. There's no standard for identity. And so you're left, if you truly live by that worldview, you're left to just chaos and absolute destruction because you don't even know who you are. You don't even know your purpose. Well, let's don't forget that today you can't offend anyone. But yet we're supposed to abide by laws, right. and so that contradicts itself, you know, right there. And so that's a worldview, right? Yeah. Uh, what I love uh, is Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine. It says, "Nothing can separate me from the Father's love, nor death, nor famine, nor sword, nor angels, nor demons, nor oceans deep or skies high. Nothing." When I'm saved, I'm saved, and that is my identity. It mm. is, nothing can change that concrete unless I, I never really believed it to begin with right? right but only god can judge the hearts of men and so if that we're talking about identity then man if that's what i'm rooted in then i don't live life in fear right it says we, we begin with a, sp- a spirit not of timidity and fear but of power right mm-hmm. that there's power in that identity and that i'm no longer living a life afraid about my i go back to the bible says i can't be separated from it I mean, talk about, you know, talk about confidence and assurance, you know. Absolutely. Your identity is important. And when you realize your identity in Christ and you see what's been done for you and that you're made new and you're, and you're washed clean, wow, what a way to live. So question, Bruce, and I want you to just answer this question. 
uh, and then we've got to wrap up. We are winding down, but here's what he says. After being addicted for so long, I still have thoughts and memories popping into my head that are not wanted, but I can't control. What is the best way to deal with these unwanted thoughts? Again, listener from Brattleboro, Vermont. Yeah. Man, I can totally relate to this. I was 47 years old when God changed my life. Mm. And it's been five years for me since that day. And so it makes total sense that I would have these thoughts or dreams. You know, uh, because my brain is full of more of that life than it is this new life. Mm. And so those things are going to creep in. You know, as we continue to grow in our faith, these things become less and less because we're replacing them with new memories. So what you have to do is first and foremost say, look, when I have that thought, it's not identifying me. It's just something that I experienced. And so those things are going to creep in every once in a while. And so you put it to death. And that when it happens, you don't go, oh, I'm, man, why am I having those thoughts? What's wrong with me? You know, why am I still thinking like that? I mean, is I still like that person? Is that, you know, No, you just say, of course that's going to happen. You know, I lived that life for a very long time, and my, my head is full of those memories. In fact, some things that God says we'll continue to experience are consequences of the choices we made. Man, I was addicted to pornography, yeah, like in a really bad way. And some of those images are seared into my brain, mm. and that's a consequence of what I did. Yeah, It doesn't mean that that's who I'm identified with anymore. But when I have those thoughts, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, and I just put it to rest. The Bible says, hold these thoughts captive. And how you hold it captive is you turn to God and you remember who you are. Yeah. And I just quickly would add to that uh, great question from Vermont. Um, no, like, like we said, uh, biblical worldview, our identities in Christ. And Christ tells us in Ephesians 6 that this is spiritual war, it's not physical. And so, man, there there are things that, uh, from your experiences, that come back up. There's arrows, I believe, that are shot to tempt you. Remember this shame and guilt that comes and hits you. Uh, but inside of that war, we're given we're given weapons, offensive and defensive, and making sure that you're you're wearing those. Read Ephesians chapter six, verses ten and on, uh, and that that helps. the The hope, though, is you're not identified by those things, yeah. and, and at, at some point. The enemy has to change his ammo because it's not working. It's yeah, not and speaking of Ephesians 6, I mean, the helmet of salvation. That's it. Protecting what? Your identity. Mm. I mean, so you think these things are based on the mind, and Paul puts it like this too. It's a renewing of the mind. Yeah. It means change your perspective. Yeah. When those things happen, you don't look at it the way you used to look at it, and it's shame and guilt, and you just you say, man, I've overcome that. God has helped me through that. Like I'm wearing the helmet of salvation, that I'm protected from those things. Because my identity rests in Christ. Yeah, remind that thought. Remind that thought what God did. Remind that thought, you know what, you almost had me. But what you meant for evil, God used for good. Uh, and literally tell it that way, man. And those, yeah. You're normal. I'll tell you this, you're normal, like Bruce said, for having that stuff. It's going to come, but you're also capable, and it's also kind of a reminder. At a certain point, I remember um, a thought came in that hadn't come in in a long time, and I started feeling a little dirty for a moment, and then I kind of chuckled. That's not me anymore. Yeah, that dude's dead. He's gone. You know, yeah. I'm new, and then and I haven't had that thought since, man. And so, uh, eventually, the enemy has to change his ammo, and he can't shoot the same arrows over and over again because they're not working. 
So that's it. That's all the time we have today. Excited. Check us out. Keep downloading the podcast. Let us know what you think. God bless. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.